1: The show is all about the business of trucking. We take your calls and answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers. The list goes on and on. We'll take questions about anything you've got. Pick up the phone. Give us a call. We'll talk about it here on the air. I'm going to get to those calls in just a minute. One of the things uh, people I hear say a lot, you know, when I talk about keeping the older trucks until we get the emission stuff all figured out, and it'll happen, it's going to be a while. So I think the best plan is keep the older trucks running as long as possible, whether that's gliders or rebuilding old trucks or totally reconditioning trucks, whatever it is, to keep those pre-03 engines alive. Now, the other thing I've talked about is how the industry is now trying to change definitions, and they're calling trucks 07 and older pre-emission because they don't have DPFs. That's wrong. The problems started with EGR, which was roughly 04. They got worse in 08 with DPF, and then they got worse again um, in 2011 with SCR and DEF. So we want to keep O3 and older. Now, a lot of people say, Kevin, that's just not practical. The government's going to force me to change. This state is going to do what California is going to do. My answer has always been, look, I can't find anything on the books anywhere that really says anybody is doing what California did, and California is being sued by everybody. It's a mess. And I've said, if another state decides to do this, I'm not saying that they won't decide to do it, I'm just saying if they do, if you look at the history of emissions, it takes them many, many years to implement something after it becomes law. California didn't do this overnight. We had over a decade. We knew this was coming. So nobody's going to implement this overnight. You're not going to wake up one day and say, oh, I can't use my truck anymore in this state. And I'll give you a good example Maryland did just sign something into law. Now, it's not very clear on what it is. It says uh, legislation signed by Maryland Governor Larry Hogan earlier this month seeks to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 40%. But here's the key. By 2030, relative to emissions generated in 2006, largely by commercial trucks. 2030. 2030. 14 more years they don't even say how they're going to do it doesn't say that they're going to outlaw this kind of truck or they're going to require that you know by 2030 if they do nothing greenhouse gases will be reduced by 40 percent just by the fact that most trucks fleets especially have to keep buying newer and newer trucks with cleaner and cleaner emissions and if they do nothing, I mean, signing this into law, I don't even understand what it is. I can't find what the law is. They'll reduce it by 40% just by default. So, but again, we're talking about 2030. When people call me and they're talking about what truck they should buy today, why would we be thinking about 2030? Hell, for all we know, by 2030, trucks will be platooning, they might be driving themselves. I don't know. I don't try to predict that far into the future. Nothing wrong with having business plans, but we also have to remember, you have to pay your bills today. You have to pay your bills this month. You have to make decisions that make sense based on what we know right now, not trying to speculate so far into the future. Uh, So, I'm going to get to some phone calls because, you know, on these weeknight shows we just don't have a lot of time. So I'm going to turn it over to you and see what you want to talk about. We're going to start in Minnesota. James, welcome to the program.
2: Hi, Kevin. How are you?
1: Good. What can I help you with today?
2: Uh, My question has to do with um, uh, uh, credit card debt collectors. I have uh, saved up enough money to uh, pay one of them off. And my question to you is, what document should I receive from them on agreement of payment? Uh, uh, If we uh, negotiate like $3,000 to pay off like a $10,000 debt, should I ask for a certain document from them first before paying them? And also, how am I sure that they're going to actually reflect that payment on my credit report?
1: Yeah, these are all good questions, but there's a, another area we have to talk about here. Uh, and when you say, you know, maybe you get 3,000 on 10,000, I'm assuming that means it's a pretty old debt.
2: Very, yes, ever since 2013.
1: Uh well, that that's borderline whether or not that's old depending on the state you're in. Um, there are yeah, some I states
2: look at, at the the state law it's 7 years in Florida as far as forgiveness of debt
1: that that's what i was getting at and that's what i was going to ask what state because i usually know yes florida is long so that's what i mean by you know is this old enough that you even have to worry about it uh and it is this is still a legal collectible debt so um yeah you negotiate the best possible settlement you can get um you get any documentation that they'll give you in writing, and you get it, you know, it's kind of one of those tricky things. It's, it really comes down to the company you're working with. It's one of those things that do you pay them before you get the document because they don't want to give you the document before you pay, but you don't want right. to pay them and then not get the document. So exactly. It's I don't a little so, just to take my money and say I, that I still owe them money, you know. Right. And there are some cases where that happens. There are a lot of collection agencies that just aren't all that above board. You know, what happens typically is, you know, it's one thing when you're working with the original creditor. You know, you were their customer. And when you're working with the original creditor, there's usually a better working relationship because, again, it's about – you know, a little bit of customer service, that kind of thing. This collection Mm -hmm. agency could care less about you. They have already paid for your debt probably. There's a good chance they bought this debt. They bought it very cheaply, so anything they collect for them can usually be, you know, revenue to them and profit. But they're also, a lot of them are kind of sleazy. Yes. Yeah, so there, there's, the odds are that you're going to be fine. You, you do want to negotiate the best price you can get. There isn't any kind of standard document, if that's what you're asking for. Yeah, and once it, so you want to get any documentation you can. You want to have canceled checks. You want to have a letter from them agreeing. Now, see, that's one you can get ahead of time. Because you can right. get a document from them ahead of time that says, here is the original debt we are willing to accept X, and we will consider it fully paid. That's the document you want to get. Now, they can issue that prior to you paying them anything because it's meaningless Mm -hmm. until the payment gets made. Once the payment gets made, you now have two documents. You have a canceled check, or however you pay it, and the document saying they accept this as payment in full. If it doesn't credit report, which sometimes it might not, then you have the ability to go to the credit reporting agency with the documentation and have it removed. That's a pain. Okay. It takes a long time, but, but at least you know you can get it done. So really, the one document you want is the document showing the amount that they – so let's say it's 3000 just to use a number. You have a document in your hand saying – we will accept $3000 as payment in full. The debt is eliminated. Then you have a check right. in your hand for $3000 to that company. That's all the proof you need. Yeah. Okay.
2: How long should I wait until I can see it on my credit report as being erased by them?
1: Uh, you know, 90 days probably uh most okay. of this stuff moves pretty slow so i, I would wait at right. least now are you in are, are you like trying to do a mortgage right now
2: no no it's just credit card bills i'm trying to get them paid off in fact i got i got i have enough money to kind of pay them off i'm trying to do it as cheaply as possible i know i have to do i have to pay taxes on the remaining balance i know that but uh but yeah I'm just trying to get a few of them paid off before I start actually saving up on a truck and all that.
1: Yeah, then I I wouldn't worry too much about the time. I would give them 90 days, check the credit report after 90 days, see what happens. Like I I was thinking, if you were trying to get a mortgage, then we would want to kind of fast-track this whole thing. But that can take a lot of time and headache. I, I would pay off the debt, get those agreements, keep the documentation, and check in about 90 days. And, and you may find that it hasn't happened by then. Let's, uh, let's get to a break. When we get back, I'll get to more of your calls and questions. Stick around. i Kevin Rutherford. welcome back i'm kevin rothford we're going to get right back to the phone calls we're off to ohio robert welcome to the program
3: hey kevin how's it going
1: good what can i help you with today
3: um, I have a specific fuel tax question. Uh, I just started a dedicated run going to uh, Missouri to Ohio and back. Which states are ideal to fuel for the fuel tax?
1: Um, if I told you an answer today, it could change tomorrow. Okay. Because there's two factors here. One of, one of them stays the same most of the time, and that's the fuel tax rate itself. But what changes constantly is the fuel price, and we need both numbers to know for sure. So I could go look at today, and I could say, oh, you know, Ohio's excellent, that that's your best choice. The problem is then people listening, maybe not even you or other people, say, oh, but Kevin said Ohio is the best place to get fuel. It's not. It just happens to be when you ask me the question at that moment. So rather than answer it that way, I always tell people, you just have to do the math. You literally have to do the math every time you're going to get fuel, every time you're planning a trip, because even on a dedicated run, um, you know, I had one of the probably best examples of this, Florida and Georgia. I only ran two states. I only had to think about two states, and about 95% of the time, Florida was the better place to fuel, but it wasn't an absolute. There were times when because of fuel prices shifting around, it made more sense to fuel in Georgia. Not very often, but that was an extreme. There are other states where it goes back and forth every day, North Carolina and South Carolina. You know, if you're running through those two states, you've got to look every day. They're close enough that it shifts back and forth constantly. So, Again, I don't want to give you a, you know an answer for today. I want to give you the way to know the answer. And my favorite tool, still to this day, there are a lot of apps out there. You know, you can do this free. You can go look up on on different websites for pricing and that kind of stuff. And and if you're trying to get away free, you can do that. To me, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time, and most people get lazy and don't do it you know, by checking all the different websites and that kind of stuff. I've always loved Pro Miles. still do. Um, it is a subscription service. You pay for it. But I can go into ProMiles anytime and I can put in my starting point, my destination, and it will tell me exactly where I should fuel, not which state. It will tell me exactly which fuel stop. Because remember, the states are only a general idea. Because when we look at the state, we're just saying, yeah, the average in the state today is this price, but averages can be very deceiving. Um, Prices can vary widely across the state. So with ProMiles, I plug it in, and it says, here, you'll let this exit, this truck stop, this is your best price. And it does the fuel tax calculation for me. I don't even have to think about it. I don't have to understand it. It's good to understand it, but I don't need to. I can plug it in. It tells me exactly where I'm going to get my best price. All right. So that that's what I would do. Like I said, I, I could answer it today. I could go look up the averages. But again, even that isn't accurate. Um, I could go into Pro Miles, and we may start doing that again. You know, I used to do that years ago. I kind of love that. We used to do a... Um, a little feature called trick my trip where somebody would say I'm in Cleveland and I'm going to Dallas and I would run it through pro miles and say, yeah, fuel in, um, you know, Oklahoma, this exit, this truck stop, that's your best price. Uh, that was fun. We may, I don't know, bring something like that back again. Let's go to Colorado. Daniel, welcome to the program.
4: Um, thank you, Kevin. I appreciate you taking my call. Um, I've been out here driving a truck, leased on with a couple of companies for the past year, learned a lot. I've had the truck for over, uh, probably about seven or eight years. I used it in a previous business. I would drive it just maybe once a month or, but anyway, that business really got, that took a downturn for the second time. So I just decided to lease on with a company,
5: learned a lot
4: in the past. I've learned a whole lot in the past year, but now I'm ready to start taking these steps to... Uh, going under my own authority, um, getting my own fuel card. Um, I, I'm a member of your fuel gauges. Me and my wife are trying to get it caught up. Um, and I'm just trying to decide I'm going home for a week. Um, I've got some really good runs right now out here in Colorado. And uh, such that I'm going to leave my truck here for a week and I can fly home round trip for about $135. So I'm going to fly home for Excellent. a week. And, and, and what we want to do is start getting set up we're just trying to decide where to start to get a corporation set up. If I should put her as the president, my daughter as president, whatever, and me just as an employee or whatever. What's going to be the? And I'm, I'm really wanting to get in your get your course. I just can't swing it yet. Um, in another week or so, I believe it or not, uh, things are getting that much better that I'll be able to. And um, okay, but we're, you know, I, I'm wanting to get a fuel card. I don't know which company has got the best discounts. That's the first step I'm going to do is put the money back. It, you know, all of them want you to have a certain amount of money in an account, and and I'm going to do that because I'm not getting fuel discounts. I'm I know some guys are getting ten or fifteen cents a gallon off just right. by fueling up at certain places, and that's what that right there would save me a lot of money every week
1: because I'm running
4: anywhere absolutely through, you know twenty
1: five hundred three thirty five hundred miles a week. So um, got it. So where let, let's. Let's start tackling a couple of these things because there's a lot of stuff on your mind, and I know it's all jumbled and running around. So l- let's knock out a couple that aren't just – they're just not going to matter. And, and the first one is okay. the corporation. It doesn't okay. matter. Um, I, I, You know, I, I would recommend that, you know, you and your wife are both officers and owners of the corporation. It, it, it's not okay. going to make a big deal either way, but that's pretty clean, pretty simple. Uh, If you involve your daughter, you make her owner, that's up to you. It can get more complicated that way. Um, But if there's a reason to do that, then that'd be fine. But I I can tell you that that decision, no matter which way you make it, is probably going to have the least impact on anything day to day. It just doesn't matter. It only matters if something goes really wrong, and we have the legalities to deal with them, But, it, but I mean if, if everything stays the same, the day-to-day operation is not affected by that whatsoever. The profit isn't affected, nothing. The, all that matters is if, unfortunately, things go wrong, and you know, we can't agree on things, then anybody who has ownership has some rights, right. and we have to untangle all of that stuff. So I wouldn't right. worry too much about that. Not going to affect your day-to-day operation. It's not going to affect the profit.
4: Should I set it up as an LLC? Is that the best way to set it up?
1: Again, I prefer an LLC and an S corp, but if but again, it has almost zero impact on anything. If you go straight to an S corp, you're just fine. You're never going to know the difference. I wouldn't get too hung up on that one. Um, Getting so the, the authority.
4: To go ahead and go, the only reason I want to go, go ahead, ahead and set up a corporation first is because if I get the fuel card, you know, I need the truck's just in my personal name right now. I probably ought to get it, you know, put it in the corporation, name, sell it to the corporation, or whatever. So let me go is, through
1: that so again. The, and again, okay. let, let me kind of put this to rest. I, I've owned businesses for the last thirty plus years. Lots of different right. kinds of businesses, different configurations, partnerships, corporations, sole proprietors. There was a time when I had 11 trucks, a small brokerage, uh, uh, a service truck running around doing some light repair and washes. and all kinds of stuff going on. If you would have looked at my paperwork, it was a disaster. Some of those trucks were in my name. Some of the trucks were in my brother's name. Some of them were in a corporate name. It was just all over the board. It never matters. I, I've never found one situation in any of these times where it mattered. I know there are ways yeah. you kind of should do it. The other thing is, in all these years I've had businesses, I've never even had a business license. It, it right. just, it, there, there are some things that will just never matter, and, and these are those things. So I wouldn't get okay. too hung Good. up on the stuff. Yeah. So okay. now let's talk about the authority. There's a couple things here. One is just the mechanics of getting the authority. That's pretty straightforward. I believe in just paying somebody else to do it. That's what they're good at. I'm not going to waste my time with forms and procedures. I don't understand. Some people want to save every penny they can, and they're willing to go through that pain. I would rather spend time working on my business rather than screwing around with a bunch of forms and government agencies and and stuff I don't know anything about anyway. And I don't want to know. Right? Because you could own this trucking company for the next 30 years. That Getting that authority was a one-time event. Why do I want to waste my time learning how to do it? Just pay somebody else to do it. And if I can't pay somebody else to do it, then I probably am not in a good position to get my own authority.
5: You know, if money's that
1: tight, that that may not be the time. So let let me get to a break. I'm going to come back because now we're going to get to what I consider the
5: important
1: stuff. That kind of stuff to me is just noise. It almost never has any impact on anything. Let's talk about the important stuff right after this break. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rothford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. I'm going to go right back to the phones I was talking with Daniel. So Daniel, let, let's um, let's get to the stuff now that does matter. And okay, what really does matter is how you run the day-to-day operation, not all that other paperwork and compliance kind of stuff. So um, if I could point somebody in the right direction that's standing where you are right now, And let's start Uh with if money wasn't really an issue. But we know that's never the case. But I I always want to know, if I'm going to do something, what's the absolute best way I could do it? Let's start there. And then I I may have to pick and choose out of those things what I can do based on my budget. I get budgets are real. But if I'm going to create a plan, let's create the best plan we can on paper Right. and then we'll figure out what what we could do. So if I were in your shoes and I wanted to get my own authority, I would be and this is going to sound like a commercial, coming to the CMC because that's what lane 3 is all about. Getting your own authority. We're going to have all the partner companies there. We're going to have people who can guide you in every area of this and not so much the compliance or that other stuff, but how you run a truck in a trucking company and make money doing it. I mean, that's what Lane 3 is going to be all about. That will give you the education you need. That will give you the tools you need. It will show what companies you need to partner with, what resources you need. Um, As far as the fuel card, I, I have never found a better fuel card than NASTIC. NASTIC is also going to be able to provide you a lot of other tools and resources as well. Now, NASTIC is not one of our partner companies. I don't make a penny from you know you getting their fuel card or using their services. It's just the best resource I've found. We would probably have them as a resource or a partner company. We just can't seem to make schedules work out for the CMC and a bunch of other stuff. But I, I still point people in their direction because I think by far – they are doing more for the small carrier than anybody so it's n a s t c national association of small trucking companies they right and they're they're designed for small carriers getting their own authority operating under their own authority they provide all the tools and stuff you need um their fuel card i swear is better than almost any big fleet i've ever seen they, they have some okay. of the best discounts. card costs you like $250 a year to own it, um, and that's your Nastic membership fee. Uh, there are some other hoops you may have to jump through. They have a one-day class they want you to go through, unless you've got more than five trucks, I think. Um, but it's worth it. You know, a lot of people have told me, well, that one-day class is just a big commercial for all their services. That's not such a bad thing. Because I've looked at the curriculum, and what they do is they spend a day showing you all the things you need to do as a small carrier. For example, they might say, you have to be in a drug testing consortium. Well, that's good information. A lot of guys don't know that. Well, while they're telling you that you need to be in one, they're also going to be saying, by the way, we have one, and here's how you sign up for it. I'm okay with that. That that's that's education, and then giving me an option. Nobody says I have to buy theirs. So that, that's probably the biggest complaint I've heard. But everybody loves their fuel card. You just can't beat it. So you know, I would look at them for resources. If there's any way you could possibly make it to the CMC, you you will get, not exaggerating, you will get three years worth of experience in a week. It's just that concentrated.
4: Listen, I would love to come to it, and I'd love for my wife to come with me because we're doing this together. Um, We've been married 34 years, and uh, just you know, we have a great marriage partnership. And the thing is, we're just getting back on our feet from a previous business that, like I said, had a bad had a bad downturn. So what I'm doing is, I'm going to try to do the next best thing. As much as I would love to take a week off. And come up there and do that. Um, I think what I'm probably going to do is order your course and go through it first, and then hope to hope that, that next year, next year I'll be on my feet enough that I can I, I can take the week off and we can come together and do it.
1: You know what? Let me let me. Um, you already own the truck. You yes, sir. Really aren't leasing to a carrier. You're not looking for a carrier to lease to. I, I'm going to talk no. you out of buying the course. I mean, it, it's only 250 bucks. There's not much in there for you, though. It, that that course is really about buying your first truck, setting up the business, leasing to your first carrier. I mean, there might be 20% of that book you would learn something. I mean, you're going to learn something from everything, but some of it's going to be useless because it, it doesn't right. apply to you now. There might be 20% yeah. of, of the stuff in there. So, I mean, you, you could think about it, but... Um, I, I would look to NASTIC for some of the resources. Um, and again, that's why I said I'll, I'll lay out the plan ideally, and then you have to make it fit into your budget. I get it. If you know right. Coming here for a week sure. and spending all that money is a huge commitment, and if you're not ready for it, it would be a mistake.
4: Well, I, I know I'll be ready for it next year. I feel for certain. I'm, I've, I've been leased on with a couple of different companies. It's been almost exactly a year since I leased on and I cannot tell you how much I have learned about the trucking business that I had no idea. And the thing is, is I'm yeah. planning on yeah. buying several other trucks and putting drivers in them. But I really want to get out here for a year or two years just on my own, so I know what I'm gonna be. My drivers are gonna be doing. And
1: so, and that, th- that's my and that's place. ideal. I mean, I, I I've seen so many people crash and burn because they won't do that. They just think, oh, I buy a truck, I put a driver in it. I make this much profit, I have two trucks, I double the profit. It, it just doesn't work that way. So um, no, you're doing no. it right. I wish there was a better resource somewhere, and one of these days we'll create it. It's just it's a lot of work to write the book, write the audio. Um, as far as getting your own authority and operating as a carrier, I don't know of a good resource anywhere. That's why we're adding it to our CMC and I would like to create something. It's just going to take some work. Have you listened um, to our podcast, Trucking with Authority?
4: Uh, I haven't listened to that one. I've listened to a lot of yours, but I guess I can go back and start listening to the Trucking with Authority. Um, also, that, that, is there enough information? That Kenny, I, I, go
1: ahead. That's Kenny Long's podcast and and kenny right. is is really good at this he's done it he you know he has trucks, he runs trucks, he works with a lot of brokers he understands the load boards he's uh had a lot of guests on there that have had really good information so I would go back and listen to those, and then I would start joining those calls when when Kenny records so that you could ask your okay. specific questions uh
4: one other question that I know you just discourage me a little bit from buying your course and I think that's commendable um, but I am looking I, I do want my truck is a 93 is an excellent truck I'm telling you it's just such a good truck it just keeps on rolling
1: uh, I'm good
4: I'm fixing to try to put the uh, put the OPC oil filtration on it um, Sat Brothers did a um, a oil change and a oil analysis on the other day and I don't know if they're I'm sure their oil analysis are probably not as good as y'all's but Everything just looked great. They said there's no no bad, you know, plus or minus numbers, but everything looks good across the board. But I, I'm also looking to buy some more trucks. But would your course be good for that to tell me just exactly what to look for in buying another truck? This truck I just happened to get, but in buying another truck, I want to know more about what I should be looking for in an earlier model truck to get the best deal possible
1: you know again there's certainly a whole chapter in that program about buying a truck what isn't necessarily there are real specifics about how to spec it and the reason for that is i'm a firm believer in you spec a truck for a specific operation so i do go through some examples i say you know here's how i spec my trucks and here's why if I were in this operation, I might spec it like this and this and this instead, and here's why. So there there are some examples of that in there, but it would have been you know four times as long if I would have tried to go through all the possibilities, and it probably would have just gotten confusing. So I do go through my whole process of how you find the right truck, like searching for it, where do you look, how long should it take, um what are you looking for i go through a process of what inspections you should be doing you know running it through rig dig pulling an ecm report how to read an ecm report there's actually that's in there um how to negotiate for the right truck so yeah the the chapter is good really good about buying a truck but it mm-hmm. might not fit some people might read the chapter and go well he didn't tell me how to spec a truck for my operation but you'll yeah, get an idea, and, and I think you'll get sure. a lot of good information. Um, and then that's why we're on the air 15 hours a week. If you read that chapter and you say, wow, I really learned a lot. I, I've got a, a much better idea of how to go through this process, but I have this question still. Well, call me. That's what we do here. So um, good luck. Good luck. And uh, stay in touch. Listen to Kenny's podcast. Call my show, and we'll uh, we'll get you through this. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Ruff. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rothbard. We're going to get right back to some phone calls. We're off to Mississippi. Cheryl, welcome to the program.
0: Hey. Hey, Kevin. I never ask you this because everybody does, but hi. and I, hope I am. Can. Thank and, you. What's uh, on your Awesome. Well, I wanted to share some recent very amazing success, and I promise not to call you every week, even though you've been with us kind of along the way in this process and helped us get here. But I think it might be good for other New VCOs who came in at a pretty tough time, given the state of trade at the time, uh, some encouragement yeah. and uh, maybe some words, kind of the thinking that got us to where we are. Um, you know, we managed to wrap up March at a dollar forty-seven a mile, which was up like forty-five cents, um, you know, from January. Uh, we ended wow. up uh, with March. Yeah, we ended up two weeks in March in the hotel waiting on a part (laughs) plus downtime, you know, and try to get our load out of Vegas. It ended up being three weeks, so one week into April. We started running April 9th. Um, So far, 10 days running, not even 10 days running. We've put in 4,300 miles at 284 a mile for all miles driven for uh, a gross revenue before fuel and stuff, but, you know, to the truck, $12,250.
1: Oh, wow. That is fantastic. I, know. <laughs> I
0: mean, this was just outstanding enough. I really had to call and say, look what we did. Some of it's a Absolutely. little fluky. Um, you know, one of the loads paid ridiculous. We had just parked uh, for the night on the, uh, finishing the Vegas load in Virginia, and this load popped up. It was a team load. They needed us to pick it up like 230 miles away that night, but it paid it paid a uh, four fifty a mile. <laughs> wow! <laughs> we spent wow. we spent seventeen hours trying to pick it up. It was that's a whole other story. But in the end, it was still worth it because it paid so well, and we had such a sense of satisfaction afterwards because we helped the customer, the broker. It was a rescue situation, and the people who really cared. We made a difference for them, and uh, so yeah, we're. We're on track for to make as much money this month as we've made all year
5: <laughs>
1: yeah what what an awesome story, and you know what I liked about that uh, and I do like you staying in touch and and kind of okay. journaling you know the the path that you're on here it, because there are a lot of good lessons, you guys are doing the hard work. You're you're oh, yeah. listening. You're learning, You're you know you're you're not just running around saying, "Oh my God, the economy sucks. Rates are in the tank. What are we gonna do?" And what I find, it, it comes back to that phrase. Sometimes people look at at people who are doing well and say, "You just got lucky. You just got lucky that you were there. and that load popped up. That doesn't happen all the time." I mean, people told me I was lucky because of my contract at FedEx. I don't know how that was luck, because when I took that contract back in the 80s, everybody told me I was an idiot because they paid $0.73 cents a mile. Um, you know, I, it, I, I turned it into what it was, and so have a lot of other contractors mm-hmm. at FedEx. Then it got to the point where you couldn't get a contract over there, so you, got, you weren't lucky. I think the, the definition of luck, you know, what I find is the harder I work, the luckier I get. And, and I, that's and I really agree
0: because it's, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, that, that, that's what I see here. Yeah, you well, guys have been you.
1: doing the right stuff day after day after day. You're not just working hard. You're doing the hard work, the things other people don't want to do. And that's when we start to get, lucky as other people call it and you know having a week like that or a load like that that buys you a lot of wiggle room when things don't go (laughs) Mm -hmm. so good
0: absolutely and I tell you the 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 biggest piece of this that helped us get to that I mean we're still always you know watching the load bird grabbing the loads making sure as best we could having our next load out um but, you know, in the beginning we were, we were chasing miles and we felt like we were working hard and we had nothing to show for it. And I said, we got to start working smarter and try to get a little more patient and just go, yeah, it feels bad to have the truck sitting, but we just got to think differently. And we were sitting at the, picking up at a trade show in Vegas and was talking to another VCO uh, and he said, he was similar to us. He and his wife started teaming with them, with but like 14 years ago. He said, you know, we didn't start succeeding until we quit chasing miles and started chasing revenue.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it, I thought you know, that really I, uh, summed it up. It, it really does. You know, Matt just sent me a message, a really good point. How many people in your situation would have pulled in for the night, never even looked for another load? It, it, even if uh-huh. they had, you know one pop up on email or wherever it comes from would have just gone to bed and said, you know, we'll deal with it in the morning. So it it's it, it, sometimes it's just little things that that seem little. But when you're in that situation and you're tired, it's easy just to put off. That's that falls along the lines of doing the hard work. It wasn't you weren't working hard to look at that load and make a couple phone calls. But it's the hard work at a time when a lot of people just wouldn't have bothered.
0: This this is true. And, you know, you got to stay on top of it. And the fact that we were able to put three very well-paying loads, one was uh, 243 the other was 383 No, that one ended up being four. But, yeah, just uh, staying on top of it and um, getting comfortable enough with the load board to go, you know what, that one's not worth it. Something else will pop up and being willing to sit and wait. We didn't have to. We only had one day of layover, but we kind of needed it yesterday. I pulled in last night and hit the brakes, and I was like, I drove like six yeah. and a half hours straight because they changed it <laughs> yeah. on me. First, they said, deliver Monday. Okay. I downshifted, do, 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 do. And then they called up and said, can you bring it here anyway? And I'm like, ah. So, yeah, you know, it's right. – uh, You know, you just got to stay on top of it and be willing to wait. And then if you have to compromise after a day or two of sitting, then start looking at other options to get you out of there.
1: You know, I've said this so many times. My show is always primarily focused on controlling expenses. And people say, oh, that's not enough. You have to understand revenue. I get that. I know that. It's much, much more difficult to teach it it and it's really difficult to teach in sound bites on a call in show, and I only have a couple minutes. Um, but it, it's important, and it's why we've made it a part of the CMC, and it's why we do talk more about it. And we have some shows that are specifically about that, where they're not trying to teach you know, understanding rates and lanes in between questions about rolling resistance and oil samples and now health questions and taxes. and So it, it's more focused and over time they'll be able to teach people that stuff. It's really an art and a science. There are no simple answers. There are times when it makes sense to take a cheap load and reposition. There are times when it makes sense to sit if you have a, a a good understanding of why things could get better tomorrow. Some places you mm-hmm. could sit for a month; they're never going to get better. <laughs> you, you you have to learn that stuff over time, and sometimes it's just pure experience. But it also helps to to be actively seeking out that information while you're getting the experience. I, I had a call over the weekend, and the guy was making a dollar nine a mile. As a trainer, killing his equipment, running all kinds of crazy miles, very little profit, and I was really hard on it. I wasn't judging him. I was judging his operation. He asked me for the advice, and I told him, that sucks. You've got to quit that yesterday. You are going to go broke. I said, it could work in the beginning just because you're running so many miles, you're at least generating some revenue. But the longer you do this, the worse it's going to get. And he said, you're right. Every month it's harder and harder to pay the bills. Then I happened to see a comment online that um, said how wrong I was because I always use the phrase, there's no such thing as cheap freight. And I will stand behind that. You can't define cheap freight. There, there's no definition for it because it changes in every situation, every operation. It,
5: mm-hmm. But he
1: said, "You say you, you, you say there's no such thing as cheap freight, and then you criticize this guy for making a dollar nine a mile." And I thought, I, "Am I that bad at explaining things? Do people not understand the difference between pulling a load at a low rate when it makes sense to reposition or to keep me moving or whatever that might be?" And the difference between that and no matter how hard you work, you're making a dollar nine a mile. <laughs> that yeah,
0: that's just that's the working harder. Well, you know, the uh, I'll keep it quick. With the company that we last drove for, they were a means to an end. You know, to get that over road experience. Um, they loved us. They ran it up four rungs of the management chain when we told them we were leaving, and they thought, and the reason right. why oh, come to us, come to us. We have a pre-emission truck. That's okay. We don't mind. Come to us. But it was a dollar a mile, and it was all miles, plus 100% fuel charge. And we're like, we want to be able to make more than that. And I've chased the right. rabbit a couple of times. And back in January, that other company looked like a better deal. But now here we are, only halfway through April. And it's like, we just, there's no way we could have generated that revenue. We would have only been a week into it and $4,000. Exactly. And,
1: yeah, so great stuff. Stay in touch. I do want to hear this as it happens. I think there are a lot of good lessons here. Unfortunately, I'm out of time right now. These hours just fly by. So we'll see you next time. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work. And master the journey. Kevin Rothenberg. We're going to do a second hour right now. It looks like I have lots of questions, so we're just going to get right to it. Your money,
6: your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs back in your pocket.
1: Welcome back. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. We take your calls and answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner operator, finding freight. Working with brokers, you name it, we'll tackle it here on the air. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call us. And tonight, I'm not going to do an open. These hours go by so fast, and we have lots of questions and calls. We're going to get right to them. We're going to start off tonight in Nevada. Daniel, welcome to the program.
7: Good evening, sir. Um, number one, let's just go off and say fair tax now.
5: Absolutely. Um,
7: I heard something out of California. They're going to start trying to reduce the greenhouse gases from the methane produced from cow dung.
1: (laughs) Well, good luck with that.
7: (laughs) Which got me to think, it's like, okay, number one, how are they going to do that? And two, what exactly are they going to... I imagine they're going to do that through their food, and how unhealthy is that going to make the meat and everything from that cow for the people in California?
1: Yeah, we, we shouldn't be messing with nature. If we just got back to um, raising animals the way they should be raised instead of in these factory farms, methane wouldn't be a problem. Uh, but instead of going back to the natural way of raising the animals, which is better th- for the environment, better for the animal, and most importantly, better for our bodies, we'll try to hack nature again, and we'll just make things worse.
7: Of course. Uh, just before I get into the, the main question of the reason I called, what would you say the maximum uh, RPM you could run a 12.7 Detroit before you really start dropping off field mileage-wise?
1: You know, probably the upper end of that range is about sixteen hundred, and you don't want to spend Uh, a lot of time up there. Fifteen is is still pretty fuel efficient. Um, You're not going to see a huge drop at sixteen, and 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 that depends too. And that's why we have the scan gauge because that answers the question in real time, you know, right in front of you while you're driving. There are times where sixteen hundred would hurt fuel economy. Other times where it could potentially help fuel economy. Very little reason to ever go beyond that other than using your jake brake because the higher you higher the RPMR on the jake brake, which you're not burning fuel then anyway, the more effective the jake brake is. Outstanding. Now,
7: uh, a friend of mine was saying that uh, I ought to get me a CPA, to kind of handle all my stuff and I was wondering how close is your I, I think it's what Profitgate is where you kind of you send all your receipts in and you kind of figure everything out how close right. is that to like having a CPA
1: Well let let's talk about that because that that's really there's a lot of confusion around this First off let's talk about what a CPA is It's a certified public accountant They are they spend four years in college studying accounting, they have to take a pretty rigorous test to get their CPA uh, certification, license, whatever you want to call it. And most people believe that that also makes them a really good tax preparer. It's absolutely not true. They have very little tax accounting. They are tax education. They have accounting education, and it's primarily focused on pretty high-level accounting, like, you know, pretty complicated companies with multiple divisions and, and a lot of accounting stuff going on, I don't find a CPA necessary in a small business. In fact, they're not very effective most of the time. That's a blanket statement. There are some people who have gone through the requirements to get a CPA, but then have also focused on small business. And they could be very effective, but that's not the norm. That's kind of like, you know, when I criticize doctors because doctors learn very little about how to keep us healthy, they only learn how to treat symptoms with drugs. That doesn't mean every doctor is like that. Some doctors go through medical school, get all that training, and then decide to further their education and specialize in keeping people healthy. But it's pretty rare. So... Our soft – we barely – I don't even like to use the word accounting for what we do as a one-truck owner-operator. We kind of do bookkeeping. You know, it's not nearly as technical. All we're really looking for is how much money came in and how much money went out, what did it go out for, and what's left. That's like fourth-grade math. Really, there there are no complicated formulas in here. Even if we get to cost per mile, it's still fourth-grade math. It's pretty basic, simple stuff. And sometimes we just overcomplicate this. It's why we wrote our software, because we keep it really, really simple. You put in the numbers. The report comes out. It's nice and clean. You see the numbers you need. And we don't need a CPA, Now, if you decide, yeah, i love that, but I don't even want to spend 30 minutes a month doing this because I hate paperwork. That's why we created the other service where you send all the paperwork to us and we enter it into our system and then you still have the reports. We're not paying CPAs to do that. That would be insane. We pay data entry people to do that because it's pretty straightforward stuff. Now, when it comes to the tax return itself, the IRS now actually has a requirement. You you have to be registered, I guess is the best word, or qualified to charge somebody else to do a tax return for them. That's new. When I was doing tax returns, I had no certifications of any kind, um, and the IRS didn't require it. Anybody could charge anybody else to do a tax return. It's changed a little, not much. Um, still doesn't mean you're getting a good tax return. So we do have an accounting firm that we partner with, and they do have CPAs, they have EAs, they have tax preparers, so they're pretty qualified.
7: Cool. Um, oh, man, I just kind of had a, a – do you ever have that thing, and you just all of a sudden, boom, reset?
1: Just gone. Um, yeah. Now,
7: yes. Oh, no, I got it. Um, now, can I use – what I would let's say I go ahead and I, I, I utilize that. Can I utilize the money that I pay towards that service as a write-off as like a business expense?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Any whether you use our, our software is nineteen dollars a month if you're going to do the work yourself. Um, our other programs are are certainly more expensive if we're going to do the work for you. But no matter which one you choose, you doing the work for nineteen dollars a month or us doing the work for eighty or ninety, depending on tax returns and other stuff, no matter what, it's all tax deductible. Let's uh let's go to Washington. Copy, welcome to the program.
3: Thank you, Kevin. Kevin, I got a little question here. See if you can guide me for better better advice, I'm looking at um Taxes. I know you, I heard you mentioning there's certain points you better off going corporate or solo sole, sole proprietor because uh, taxes is going to get tighter in my neck here. As you see, I'm going to be running out of depreciation and uh, some kids going to be really out of age, also, to write off.
1: So, yeah. I'm looking,
3: which so... One would be better? Off
1: well, the good news is yeah, I have your business report right in front of me, and that makes uh-huh. this really, really easy. So I the, the cutoff when it makes sense to incorporate, when it's actually going to save you money, is about $65,000 a year, paying tax on about $65,000 a year. Now, I, I'm looking at your business report, and before uh, depreciation, which you say you're almost out of anyway, and per diem, you're at $92,000. You need to be incorporated yesterday.
3: Yeah, looks like I realized that a little late, but fortunately, I'm going
5: to.
1: That's okay. To- I, you know, honestly, I'd rather be a little late than a little early. That's why I tell people to hold off until we hit that number. And and then it's probably time. Because if we jump the gun, we just spend a lot of money and go through a lot of headaches for nothing. So I, I think your timing is good, but I, I would certainly do it now.
3: Okay, that's all I had because I just want to second opinion make sure what I'm going through.
1: Yep, yep. And congratulations, by the way, because those numbers look excellent. And uh, it, it's... Uh, it's a good thing when it's time to incorporate. We know we're profitable, and we know by doing it, we can uh, keep some of that money in our pocket instead of sending it to the government. Stick around. We'll be right back with more stuff. From Kevin Rutherford. back i'm kevin rutherford the website is let's truck.com we're going to get right back to the phone calls we're off to georgia this time jeremy welcome to the program Uh, let me try that again i'm not sure what's going on with the phone lines there jeremy it's your turn welcome to the program all right sounds like somebody might be there but uh try one more time. We'll give it one more shot. Jeremy, are you there? Nope, looks like we lost Jeremy. Let's go to Kansas City instead. Raymond, welcome to the program.
8: Hey, Kevin. I love the show. second time I've called in, uh, I had a a business report for you to look at. Uh, Just just this year, I bought the truck last year. I talked to you once. and I love your constructive criticism. Uh, that's That's how I learned and uh i live in kansas city and i you know, i learned about chad from you so i went over he's 10 minutes away from me the more he works out of went over and paid him to look at my truck see what i need to you know needed to have done before i had it aligned and uh he's very good he made a list had some had all that done took it back had it aligned, and i put on michelin uh xca3 plus the expensive tires but I researched them myself, and I think they're the best tire out there. And, and good God, my truck drives like a new truck.
5: Isn't it amazing?
1: Tremendous! Uh, it, Tremendous. It, it really is. Yeah. Yeah, it, and, I, I um, am such a I'm such a tire freak on on all of my vehicles because I just see the difference every time I buy a vehicle, whether it's a car, a truck, whatever it is. It immediately gets Michelin tires. I am just such a huge fan of those tires, and I have been for a couple decades now. Uh, so, yeah, you get it aligned right, you get things balanced right, you get a, and I do believe that is the best tire on the market. Uh, it's amazing, and you've experienced it.
8: Yeah, people, you know, and I'm also running them at what he suggested, 120 pounds, which seems to be a lot yep. better doing that as well and uh yep i have i hope you have the business report i i talked to this call screener and um, when, I when we first talked we only had one month and and it was you know it didn't look good and then i and you were like you know you need to buy this truck from the guy and and go somewhere else make better money and uh really didn't have the opportunity to to do that so i'm just kind of sticking it out and i now i have spent well you know a fair amount of money on my truck so i know maintenance numbers. Hurt your bottom line.
5: Um,
1: well, you know, I, let's let's talk about this. Tell me what you're doing because these numbers are are so out of the norm that that I want to understand your operation before I start talking about the numbers. So tell me what you're doing.
8: Well, it's real. You know, it's a niche market. We haul grease to steel mills. Okay. And, uh, and well, in and a few other places that aren't steel mills, but for the most of it the bulk of the grease goes to, you know, steel mills.
1: <laughs> okay.
8: And, um, I, and I've had a few few weeks prior to the last couple of settlements that were pretty, it was a little slow period. We only had one run a week. And, I mean, I, I was able to pay bills and everything, but, you know, it was a little, little slow there. And uh, at the same time, I recently, you know, did all the, the work on to the truck, which I you know I faithfully okay. save for maintenance and for taxes, which I just oh, I love your tax service I I I had to pay for my having my taxes done last year, but this year my monthly payment will take care of all that.
1: The fuel gauge right. is awesome. Anybody that doesn't do this should be doing it. It's wonderful. Well, thank you. Um, so let let me I, I'm going to guess that you. You don't drive a lot of miles, but each load must take a lot of time.
8: Um, well, it's not really a lot of time. It's like, well, I just, I'm coming back home right now, coming into Kansas City right now. I went to Cleveland for a Sunday delivery. They were out of Greece. And then I hit, so I hit Cleveland and then Delta, Ohio, another steel mill uh, uh, during the day Sunday. And I started it. I don't know, six 6.30 in the morning, and I was done in Cleveland by 2, then back on the road towards home. So it's not it. terrible. Okay.
1: Yeah, well, and, but, and what I mean is, you know, I'm looking January through March, um, a report, and in all that time, you've only put on 11,000 miles. Does that sound right?
8: Yeah, it's about right, yes.
1: So that's about one-third of what most over-the-road drivers do. Most guys are doing 10,000 no, miles a month. So, yeah, so That's, that that really I I have to look at the numbers very differently and a lot of people listen to me read business reports and they try to learn so I want to be clear about this. Um, you're making $3.94 a mile. Right, but I have that, a lot of
8: maintenance that, so that really brought it down. Yeah,
1: well, yeah but But still, your numbers are going to be so far off the charts that people aren't even going to understand them unless we explain them a little bit. So, for example, let me ask you this. Is there any way possible that you're basically running 3,000 miles a month, which most people are doing that a week? If you wanted to, could you double that number?
8: Right now, Arsenal, the supplier... That makes the grease is going through some big changes, and they've actually lost some customers because they they understand now that they're screwing up. They're not getting grease out on time. They're not getting it made on time. They're not getting it. But right in the past, my friend has worked there eight years, and um, uh, last year he made uh, he
1: took home after everything ninety six thousand.
5: Yeah, I, hey,
1: I that. see that. Well, you're you're not. I mean, you're not going to be that far off, and and that's kind of why one of the dangers in an operation like this. And I don't want to scare you because this is these are awesome numbers. Is that somebody's going to undercut it someday? Because the the amount of profit here is pretty awesome. Um, so that that's one thing you have to be careful of. You don't want to get I, what I've seen, the mistake I've seen people make is when they get numbers like this, they try growing really fast. And and if the work's available, they'll add trucks and add trucks and add trucks. And then something changes. It's a competitive world. Somebody comes in, figures out how much profit is here, figures out a way to cut that profit and still make right. good and money. I, and all of a sudden, I, you, you've you got all these expenses and you're used to this kind of revenue and it's almost impossible to duplicate anywhere else. So when you're in an operation like this, you've got to be careful about growing. You've got to save money. And you want to operate as though profit wasn't this high. Because even if you know you keep saying maintenance is really high, it's, it's kind of high, but you're still keeping a $1.95 a mile after all of your expenses.
4: Right. That is a pretty crazy
1: – you're doing excellent. And and it. I, I'm, I'm cautioning you that this is not right, the norm. Right. This is so far out of the norm that you want to be a little careful. I'm also – the reason I ask is could you double these miles or add any at all? And the reason is I would grab every mile I could get. I, I would be right. camped well, out there. Saying anything <laughs> you need me to do, I'll go do
8: well, let me tell you this i i am other than Fuchs going through some management problems right now, I shouldn't have said that probably the name of the company,
5: but <laughs> nah, it doesn't uh, matter.
8: Uh, the the guy that's been doing this, the guy who hired me and who I bought the truck from, which uh, if you remember last time I got a really good deal on it. I'm really happy with it, but yeah. He's been doing this for 12 years, with roughly the same amount of people. Now, some people have quit left, and left because it is dirty work. You do get greasy, but I've never been afraid of work. But right. it's, You don't work that. You don't work that long. I mean, the longest day I no, ever there... worked is like when, when I go to Chicago and I do four different steel mills, and I'm also get I'm also getting paid an hourly rate after two hours at the first <laughs> steel mill,
5: and I right.
8: might work five hours, then I'm on the road going back home. So I'm not
1: bitching. Yeah, uh, so and, and, so the numbers are excellent. No question. Your numbers look good. I'm I'm spending more time trying to explain this because normally I look at cost per mile. In your case, I'm not going to. It would skew the numbers so bad they wouldn't even make sense because you're making almost $4 a mile and you're keeping $2 of it. So again, See, that's what you're I was keeping. Yeah,
8: yeah, yeah, that's what I was you're, doing. You're... And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, this is this seems unreal to me, but but and the, and the reason why well, I say I'm not, he's been. Right, let me let me let, me, uh, he's been doing let me
1: get to a break. We're... Let me get to a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about this. Um, okay, great. Because Thank you. this is one of those kind of outliers that I talk about. And we can learn things from these, but they require a little more explanation.
5: Yeah, stick around. Right back. Yeah,
1: it is. So stick around, we'll be right back with
5: more stuff
1: right after this. I'm Kevin Ruth. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. I'm going to get right back to the phones I was talking with Raymond in Kansas. So Raymond, I, I, I'm spending a lot of time on this, kind of explaining how I'm looking at the numbers and why, because it is so different. These numbers, if we just look at revenue per mile and income per mile, what you get to keep and is left over, these numbers put you in the top 1% of the industry. That that's an outlier. It's unusual, doesn't happen very often, and we have to look that's, at the numbers very differently. Right, and go, go I ahead. know
8: I I I understand exactly what you're saying as far as this. You know, it, it, I thought the same thing. How can this last? But he's been doing it for 12 years, and it is very small. There's only uh, once there's five of us, six of us drivers, and the sixth driver takes the winner off.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. So excellent. And, you know. The, so I think I think stuff. it's going to last. I, and yeah. And why it's, it's, why it's wonderful. But, Just don't get too used to it. Just don't no, get too so comfortable that you think this is what it's like to own a truck and it will always be this way. If it stays, I would milk it for every dollar I could get out of it, but I would also not not adapt your lifestyle to this kind of money. You know, one of the great examples of this, and and, and I grew up with this, when unions were strong and all you had to do was get hired and you made a lot of money. You didn't have to be good at your job. You didn't have to be good at much of anything. And I know that pisses people off, but it was the truth. I lived it. You got hired by a union. You got paid a lot. And and so many people adapted their lifestyle to that. They bought houses and cars and took vacations and spent all their money. And then when that went away, it was virtually impossible to replace that kind of income. I'm telling you, sort of, you're in that same situation. Right.
8: I well, I, I I'm a go getter. If something did happen, I don't mind driving the miles. I would lease onto a box, but, you know, a drive van carrier. Yeah, but, or, but
1: that's what, but but hold on. That's what I'm trying to explain to you. You can't just drive miles and make up this kind of revenue. It's not going to happen.
8: No, no, I know. I know. I know that.
1: Okay. So the, I, I want you to ad- just always keep that in mind.
8: Thank you very much. And one of the big advantages right now is that we are still, until December of 17, we're still on paper logs. The company has tried to fill in when he loses a couple drivers with all the other companies run – Um. Comes, you know, or what. And what happens is, is they. See, we we know we have to wait on the loads. We know that they say that grease is going to be done at, at 1 o'clock. I guess they're going to be done until 7 at night. Well, the other companies will put somebody on the freaking clock and send them out there. Well, we're not that stupid. Right. We don't go out there, so we know that grease is done, so that's when our clock starts. So we're able to make their deliveries. Follow me?
5: Yeah, they that, love it,
1: it's all it's all great stuff, um, and the numbers, like I say, it's it's the top one percent to be able to keep a dollar ninety five in net revenue. I can only in, in the last five years, I only remember looking at one other business report that was higher, and it was ninety nine. And that was a very specialized car hauler who was really good at what he did. And these are just really unusual numbers. Like it, Because the miles are so low, if I look at your fuel cost per mile, it's insane. It's $0.80 cents a mile. I mean, I have guys who are spending $0.22 cents a mile on fuel. But when you can keep a $1.95, who cares? I mean, that, that just doesn't yeah. matter. So right. I, the, I, run the look, I run hard
8: to make the deliveries, well, and you, I'm mostly driving the speed limit. But I, but still, my last fuel up, I couldn't believe it. I was pulling 78,000 pounds. I couldn't believe it. I got, well, more than half of that was loaded, and then less than half of that was empty. And I, I pulled in 6.73 miles a gallon. I was like, damn, that's pretty good.
1: You know, we... I almost wonder if we have something wrong in some of these numbers. The reason I say that is because if you're getting that kind of fuel mileage, even if your miles are low, it's a variable cost that shouldn't be that high. I mean, fuel cost per mile is just a matter of fuel cost and fuel mileage. I almost wonder if we should... uh,
8: If you could have somebody look at it to make sure, but I enter everything just like I'm, you know, I get better at it every week. I I just enter my statement and I use uh, my phone every time I fuel, which is a wonderful setup. So
1: let's do this. I'm going to put you back on hold. These numbers are amazing. I'm going to have Bridget pick up and we're going to schedule a time to have um, Brittany go through your numbers with you. I just want to make sure um, that we've got these right, but, No matter how we slice this, um, the numbers are amazing. And my biggest message here is don't get too comfortable with this. Um, Sock away some money, invest some money, and uh, just in case. Let's go to Florida. Mike, welcome to the program. Mike, are you with me? Uh going once, Mike doesn't sound like Mike's there. Let's go to Alabama Stewart. Welcome to the program.
9: Fair tax yesterday, Kevin. I don't know if you can hear me or not. I can okay hey uh I know I know it's not about the revenue. I know it's about what you take home. I'm looking at a run uh now that is a uh a very 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 light run, but it it doesn't pay all that well. But the what I keep in fuel economy, would that make up for a low rate? At what point does that balance out?
5: It
1: can, um, and there's no easy answer. That's why we do numbers. That's why we do business reports. Tell me what the rate is, because I have a pretty good idea. I can usually figure it out in my head.
9: Uh, it it's at two dollars and two cents a mile. It's uh it's the same thing. It's dropping hook at both ends, and it's only two thousand pounds.
1: And it's two oh two a mile for all miles.
9: Uh, it, now, well the the line haul is two oh two. Sorry, I should have specified that.
1: It, yeah, but it's both ways. It's not like I get two oh two one way and I have to come back empty for nothing the other way, right?
9: No, no, no. You're, you're coming back uh, depending on where they send you uh, and it's usually a town that's right by my house it, and uh, they, they will throw, they said they will throw me a little bit of deadhead to get back uh, to the yard that they load at and all that. So it comes out to about a buck a buck a buck 79 to a buck 81 a mile after all the empty and all that. Forgive me for that.
1: So so I guess what I'm wondering, and this may just be a, a perspective based on what you've been making in the past, in today's world right now, when you said it, it's, it's light but it doesn't pay that well, can I make it up in fuel? I expected to hear something like a thirty a mile. At, at no, well, I'm a,
9: I'm a Landstar guy, so they take 35%.
1: Oh, see that's yeah, you gotta be clear with me on that i I don't care what Landstar gets, all I want to know is what co- what goes to the truck, so you're okay. gonna lose sixty cents off that two o two, so you're about a buck forty,
9: yes sir, and i know okay. you I know you say that you like to see revenue above a buck thirty nine and that puts me right there on that border
1: yeah and and you're right. This is a great example of where that num- the, the weight does make a difference. because if we can make money at a buck forty, a typical weight, 65 to 80,000 pounds, and you can make money there. It's, I don't want to be there all day. It's, it's you know down at the bottom end of where I'd like to be. But to, in today's world, it's looking better and better all the time. Now we're at a dollar forty, and we're almost running empty. So yeah, our fuel economy goes way up. Our maintenance cost goes down. It's easier to drive. Uh, yeah, that's that's not a bad run in today's world.
9: All right, all right. I was gonna try to get by on justifying it with I live a debt-free lifestyle. I have actually absolutely no debt except for you know fuel fuel costs and insurance and you know the the fixed costs for the truck and I just didn't know if I was making the wrong decision or not.
1: I don't think so. I mean, you know, if I could get a dollar forty a mile on a light load, something dedicated, and I may not be explaining this exactly the way it is, but those are the kind of runs that I can honestly start putting drivers on and making money and keeping drivers because my costs are so fixed and I, I can afford to pay somebody, so I don't have a lot of turnover. I mean, that was my model at FedEx. FedEx didn't pay all that great. We didn't have outstanding rates, but it was so consistent, and I could control my costs so much that I was I, I, I knew what my profit was gonna be, and I could make money doing it, and I could add trucks. So yeah, especially in today's world, um, those rates sound pretty darn good to me. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Russell. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rothsberg. We're down to the final segment. I'm going to get right back to the phone calls. We're off to Arizona this time. Frank, welcome to the program.
6: Oh, hey. Hi, Kevin. Uh, happy Monday. Uh, i got two open items to come back to you with. One of them was about sure. a month ago. Uh, I'm in a T680, and I had that goofy thing going on with the fuel gauge on the dash, where at about five-eighths tank, it would go nuts and ping all the way down. The red light would come on. It just, you know, was not reliable. But but I dipsticked it in the fuels there. And so um, I had gone online and and saw uh, off of some blog that other people had that same problem at about three-quarters tank. Well, mine was specific. I mean, at five-eighths tank, (laughs) it just went nuts. So...
5: Yeah. To close okay. that
6: one out, um, I, I took it into Kenworth finally, and uh, you know, arm all the way down in the tank and the whole deal. They took the uh, the sender out, tested it, and it was bad. So they put a new one in, and problem is fixed. So that one, I wanted to let you know, it was the sender when that fuel gauge on the dash started going crazy. At first, they said, well, maybe it's just the software flash, an update for the the gauges. It wasn't. It was the sender.
1: Got it. And that makes sense. You know, troubleshooting has become much more difficult because we have to look at mechanical issues. Uh, And this one's kind of a little bit of both, but I, I consider the sending unit itself kind of a mechanical piece. And then we have to look at all the electrical components, which continue to get more and more complicated, more and more sensors, more and more computers, more and more data being fed to the ECM, more and more systems interrelated electronically. Uh, But we still have to remember, sometimes it just comes down to the part. And, you know, in this case, a sending unit made a lot of sense.
6: Yeah, and actually, I mean, I'm happy it was the part because a new part and it works great. Then the second one Go is uh, I was asking you about uh, leaking uh, hub oil on my steers, you know, and you said you had the same problem. And I took both of them out and cleaned them, and then I put some, you know, high high quality grease around them. Within about two days, they were leaking again. So I went ahead and just replaced them, and did a week uh, rolling there's not a hint of any leaks. So I don't know, they were about, the rubber grommets or seals were about six bucks a piece. And
1: it fixed the yeah, problem. I, so again. That's fairly common. I mean, there, there's very little reason for anything else up there to leak the way you were describing it. It's just over time, those rubbers, you know, they, they dry out. Uh, they don't seal as well. So again, that one, seemed fairly straightforward so i'm glad it worked
6: yeah and i run in the southwest mostly and if anything's going to dry out it will be here
1: absolutely yeah it's sometimes it's just over time but you're right in an environment like that it's going to happen a whole lot faster
6: yeah. So anyway, uh, good results on both, and I just thought I'd call in and let you know. And then, uh, you know, I was just going to mention that is it true that uh, at a truck stop, another trucker told me, if you're a trucker, you don't have to file taxes at all?
5: <laughs> are you Are you
6: smiling and laughing? <laughs> I'm not oh my it. God! I'm listening I, to this. I'm listening I, to this conversation at the cigarette deal outside the Flying J. <laughs> they were holding court and this one guy says well wait a minute if you're if you're a trucker and you're in transportation, you don't have to file any taxes
1: <laughs> oh my god uh, and he was serious
6: well he, no, nobody was laughing the other other driver was saying well uh what do you do with all these you know forms you get in the mail about your earnings and
5: <laughs> oh my it was, god it was,
1: uh, i mean it was surreal to say the least. You know, I've heard a lot of crazy stuff about taxes over the years, and and some of it just never dies. Some of the myths. That one has to was, really pop it off. Like I, you know, I I, I would love to find somebody like that and say, tell me where you came across this knowledge. How did you come to this conclusion? Where. You know, just because I'd be so curious, did he hear it from some other truck driver in the parking lot? Did he make it up? What? Where did it even come from?
6: That's a good question. all I said walking away is I turned around and looked back and I said, well, if you don't file taxes, how are you going to itemize for all your deductions, stuff you spend, you know, and I just kept walking and I don't know where that left them. But
1: <laughs> ah, un- unbelievable. Well, it is. thanks for sharing anyway, that Anyway, so... Yeah. Um, yeah, it uh, I guess never ceases to amaze me. I, I I would just love to be able to talk to people like that, though. I I'd love a whole show where I could get people like that on the air. Do you know how much fun that would be? Let's uh let's go to Florida, Mike. Welcome to the program. Hey
10: Kevin, can you hear me?
1: I can. What's on your mind today?
10: Oh. Hey, how's it going? I've got O six C fifteen cat pre BPS. And this truck normally runs about 190, 195 going down the road, empty or loaded, doesn't matter. Here really, about about the last week here lately, this thing has been running about 150 to 140. And I thought maybe it was a gauge, but I went out there and shot it with my thermometer, and that's the actual temperature of my cool, right about 135 to 145. Um, yep. I kick the fan on, off and on. You can hear the engaging and the disengage, so I know my fan's not staying
1: on. Right.
10: Anything else that would cause this other than thermostats?
1: You know, thermostats are the most likely. It, there are some other things that could cause it, but they're a little harder to track down and troubleshoot. So I like to start with the obvious stuff. I mean, this is pretty typical, thermostat stays open, coolant keeps flowing, you just can't build any kind of temperature. So if they've been checked and verified and they work, then we gotta go somewhere else. But if that hasn't been verified and checked, that's certainly where I would start. Um, again, kind of going back to you know a call a while ago where I talked about a lot more sensors, a lot more computers, a lot more electrical stuff. Um, but it's, it's usually uh, anything electrical. I can't think of anything on that engine that would cause us to run that cool. The thermostats are completely mechanical. The thermostats don't yeah. need any input. They don't get any input from anything electrical. Um, there are some things about electronic diesel engines where some of the temperatures are, you know, controlled by the ECM but that's mostly fan coming on and off and in this case you verified the fan is working it's not running all the time I'd have to believe this one is thermostats
10: okay because I just had them replaced about a year and a half ago (laughs) and I was just curious if they should go out that quick or well you know they
1: yeah, well, I've I've seen thermostats last, last a million and a half miles. I mean, I, I've had very, very few trucks that I can remember where I ever had to replace a thermostat. On the other hand, I've seen trucks where the thermostats go bad, we put a new set in, and one or both, depending on, you know, the truck are bad immediately. They won't function the first time we put them in. So... It's pretty unusual to have them. Now, one of the things I always start king about, when something fails multiple times, where it fails a lot earlier than we expect it to, is it the cause or is it a symptom? Um, Is there, do we have a lot of junk in the coolant system? You know, have we really done a good...
10: I'm pretty religious by keeping my coolant. Up the par. I okay. mean, I drain them fill at the house every year. Um, oh,
1: got it. Okay.
10: So I've got new filters and new coolant. I I just did it this December. Everything came out looking good. No nothing floating in there. No cups. everything was nice and bright. Yeah.
1: Okay. Because so, that that's the other thing. You know, if something fails that quick, is there another cause? And and it sounds like you're doing way more coolant system maintenance than most people ever do so i kind of doubt that um it's just very possible that they just failed
10: okay i was just curious to have them fail that quick it kind of shocked me
1: yeah it would it's pretty unusual all right thanks for the call i'm looking at the clock you know if you wanted to you could call tomorrow uh when we're doing the power hour And, you know, those guys are the ones that are in hands-on every day. They see trucks in and out. They see this stuff all day long. And sometimes there are individual things about certain engines or certain trucks that they would know that maybe I'm just missing. But I I can't think of anything. Be a good question for them, though, on uh, the Power Hour. So there's the music. That means I've got to get out of here. We'll see you next time. In the meantime, be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford.